0: Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris the Fantasy Expert. And in today's show, after discussing a couple mailbag questions, we'll be getting into our first half stars episode for this year. That's basically the players who in 2020 fantasy football performed a lot better in the first half than they did in the second half, whether it was due to injury or just falling off of a level of play or losing a star playmaker around them. We'll discuss, we will discuss their fantasy value, what this means, what the difference between the two halves of the year means. And uh, we'll discuss what you should do with them in fantasy next year. Chris is back. I'm back I have I don't have my microphone with me right now because I left it somewhere and I have to get it mailed back. but I have my uh, Apple earbuds, which are fine for sound quality, but I know it's definitely a downgrade, so I apologize for the sound. but Chris has his microphone and his sound is as good as usual.
1: Yeah, definitely. it's good to be back uh, a little bit of a break, but
0: we've got a good
1: episode. First half stars is always a, a really disappointing episode because or well. An exciting and a disappointing episode because you get to see, talk about a lot of the guys who had value left on the board, you know, for trading first and second half stars can have such an impact because, you know, one guy, I will be putting up 10 fantasy points a game. And the next game he'll be putting up, you know, 0.6. Wink-wink, Travis, Fulgham. And so, (laughs) you know, it's just an interesting kind of way to look at things because their value just starts to, it's really volatile with a lot of these guys. So it's really important to kind of understand them and, why they may have fallen off and how that could affect their future fantasy value.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sorry for that computer noise that just went off. I was turning on my video. Chris and I don't usually do the video for the podcast, but we have it on. You can't see it obviously, but we have it on so I can see Chris. Chris is uh, parting his hair to try to uh, freshen up for the show. <laughs> and I'm wearing my orange golf match Jersey. Cause I played in one earlier today. Uh, but so we've got yeah mailbag questions on the show today. And if you want to submit those, go, tag us on twitter at sgfpod email us at second at gmail.com but first chris i wanted to ask you because uh, last week we did best and worst fantasy values and i did that show alone so i wanted to ask you about like i mean because you weren't there if you have like just a couple of favorite and least favorite values you want to tell the listeners i mean it doesn't have to be i i know i don't know if you were I, I just shared the note sheet with you. So I don't know if you were like too prepared for me to ask you this mm-hmm. question, but just a couple guys that you think are go go are underrated next year and overrated.
1: Uh, yeah. So one of my least or my favorite guys is Daniel Jones going forward into this season. And not only because I'm a Giants fan, but uh, because I think that he's just got a lot of playmakers around him. They've got a really good offensive system moving forward with uh, Jason Garrett. So I'm just excited for what this team can do. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to be at the forefront of it. And I think that his, uh, his value It's going to go a little bit underrated just because he struggled at times with turnovers and that offense really hasn't had that punch that I think it would need for him to be too fancy relevant in the last few years. But I'm definitely excited to see what he can do next year. And some of my least favorite guys, guys that I'm really starting to kind of fade off my draft board. I mean, this is a tough question because I think that a lot of players could sort of fit this category. But one of them, I think, is uh, Alvin Kamara. I just don't trust Kamara to have that big of a season. I didn't like his usage in the passing game. And he's not a 25 carry back. I think that his fantasy production really relied a lot on the quarterback play and the quarterback throwing to him. So now with all that up in the air, I think it's just going to hurt him a little bit. James Winston is a much more downfield guy. So I expect the Saints offense to run a lot differently than it did with Drew Brees. So just for that reason, Alvin Kamara is one player I don't like. But yeah, there's definitely. Um, A lot of turnover in this Saints offense, so I think we're going to see a lot of players that are going
0: to –
1: their fantasy values are either going to skyrocket or fall, so I'm interested to see who those players are.
0: Yeah, I think so too, and yeah, those are good picks. I definitely like Daniel Jones as a value. I feel like Kamara's value – I'm sort of softening on my stance a little bit because, I mean, he was still – he did get better in Taysom Hill's games. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world if Taysom Hill is the starter um, for him. He still will have some sort of drop-off. But, yeah, I mean, I especially like the Daniel Jones pick. I've talked about this so much. Daniel Jones got smarter last year. He played a lot smarter near the end of the year, stopped forcing throws as much. And now, I mean, he definitely got hurt, that he got hurt, so that sort of uh, hurt his development in that area, but it was, yeah, it was tough for him to have to deal with that injury, but he was a lot, smarter near the end of the season
1: yeah definitely there was a lot of improvement from him and so i expect that to continue over into the next year this is really the prove it year for daniel jones i think with all the draft capital the giants have they're either gonna stick with him or they're gonna move on for him this year depending on how well he plays but uh mm-hmm. yeah so i think that he'll be able to thrive as with a better quarter or, sorry not better quarterback play out uh, with better wide receivers
0: mm-hmm. yeah i agree and yeah this is also definitely the make or break year for him but yeah, So those are some solid picks. Uh, now we'll go get into the mailbag. We've got a couple of questions here. Again, tag us on Twitter at SGF pod. If you want to send a question, email second fantasy at gmail.com, or you can add us at Calvin underscore SGF and at Chris underscore SGF. And uh, we'll try to get to a response. If you just want one there on Twitter, you can send us polls or anything. We will uh, answer the poll and we'll give you our explanation. And I would recommend again tagging both of us because Chris isn't on Twitter as much. So I can remind him to check and answer your question. Um, so, yeah, all definitely. Right.
1: Wait, 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 guys. I'm just saying, even though I don't have that many Twitter followers, I'm not that active. My ratio is better than Calvin's.
0: Yeah, his Twitter ratio. Chris was very excited <laughs> to share that is 84 to 43.
1: See, Calvin hasn't memorized because he's chasing it. He wants it really bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got so many followers, though, it doesn't even matter. Okay, continue. 1,063 followers. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, we got some questions on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can go ask us. So the first question is from someone who has asked one before, friend of the show, uh, Hutchinson Brown on Twitter, at TYFMNFL. He's host of the Young Fantasy Mind Football Podcast. We appeared on his podcast last week for draft day winners. That was a ton of fun, Chris. Uh, I know both of us had a lot of fun doing that but uh, mm-hmm. he asked us a question. He is, I think this is like his second question that's been on the show. So mm-hmm. this is sort of, I guess this is kind of a rankings question, but it's what second year running back Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins, CEH, Gibson, et cetera. Do you expect to finish the highest in half PPR for fantasy in 2021? I'm all in on acres, but want to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like there are good arguments for all of these running backs to finish highest. So I guess we're just ranking these. And Chris, if you haven't pulled it up, I'll give you a moment to pull it up on Twitter so that you can like just to see the whole question. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with my opinion. And I think Jonathan Taylor is probably tops out of all of these just because during the middle of the season, we definitely saw some regression from him. And I do think his receptions are going to go down because he had like 35 or 40 receptions last year and he was a good pass catcher. But with Naheem Hines in that backfield, it's going to be hard for him to have that huge pass catching ceiling without Philip Rivers. Uh, he's going to have now Carson Wentz who throws to the running back. Some, he was still able to get some production for Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, but not as much as Philip rivers because Philip rivers is the king of that. So even so though, Jonathan Taylor got a ton of carries last year. He did have a good schedule, but uh he also was able to perform against good teams. Like he had put up a solid performance for fantasy against the Steelers. Uh, I think Frank Reich is all in on Jonathan Taylor. He knows that Jonathan Taylor has the ability to be the workhorse. And I'm not too worried about the re-signing of Marlon Mack because the Colts already tried not using Jonathan Taylor and their running back production was not the same when they had Jonathan Taylor sitting on the bench and for a lot and having nine carries for most of those games. So Taylor is my highest. And I think Chris, would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Wait, Calvin, where can I find the question? I'm having trouble finding it.
0: Uh, just go to the at SGF pod Twitter and I mm-hmm. retweet it, retweeted, uh, my, uh, mailbag thread and then you can just go there and it's right there. Yeah. Um, so, but okay. yeah, I think I, Taylor is my highest. I'm trying to think about, ooh, second, uh, highest. I guess we could also add DeAndre Swift to this group because I feel like he belongs here. Um, mm-hmm. Akers and Gibson are really close for me. I honestly feel like Antonio Gibson might be my second. I have DeAndre Swift ranked higher on the website, but that was before the addition of Jamal Williams, who will take pass catches. So I'll say Gibson is second. Uh, third is really close between Swift and Acres. I'll probably go Acres just very slightly, but that could definitely change. Fourth is, prob- is definitely Swift then CEH and Dobbins are also pretty close. I probably have to go Dobbins because Dobbins is, while he doesn't get the most carries in a Lamar Jackson running offense, the Ravens still run the ball a lot and he has a lot of touchdown upside because Lamar can get the team into the red zone about as well as any quarterback. So those would be my rankings.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I actually, I, I think I differ a little bit on, on here. So Obviously, I think uh, Swift is someone that, that I'm definitely going to include. And I think Swift actually tops my list. He's going into an offense with a developing, a really good offensive lineman that they, they just drafted, Penny Sewell. He's going to be the workhorse back. They really haven't brought in much competition. And now this is a team that's going to be struggling in the passing game. I expect them to be looking on and relying on Swift for a lot of their yards. And I think that he's going to be getting 25 touches, 25, 30 touches a game. I mean, he's – extremely talented. We saw that towards the end of the season. and I just feel like he hasn't been given the opportunity just yet to show how talented he is. I think he takes a huge step up here and jumps up to that number one back spot. I'm in, in agreement with you though, Calvin, that I do like JT. I've got him as my number two RB out of this group. Um, again, I just love his talent here. He's got a, in a solid situation in Indianapolis, obviously there is uh, a little bit of turnover going on in that. uh offense but I think that the biggest thing is he's going to stay consistent in his talent and so I don't see why his he's should have a big drop off or anything and I mean they're not going to be able to again rely on the passing game too much just because of Carson Wentz being there he's not really a quarterback that I trust right now then my third this is really tough hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah this is difficult all it's these guys are pretty close question. to the same to you.
1: because I mean A lot of these guys, like, I think I've kind of got five or four guys or three guys I would have in this conversation. That's Akers, CEH, and Gibson. Trying to think here. Hmm. It's really tough because all three backs are extremely talented, and I think it's just going to come down to their situation. For me, my number one out of that group, Akers, or, well, my number three overall back is going to have to be CEH. He's just in, in a super high powered offense. He cho- showed some flashes of being really good, and the Chiefs drafted him in the first round for a reason. They think he can be a workhorse back. So I expect him to take a step up this year. I mean, even though the Chiefs are definitely a pass heavy offense and they've got one of the best passing offenses in the league, they're still going to be looking a lot to the running back. And just, I mean, the running back is still going to get a lot of touches just because they, they have so many touches throughout the game. I expect him to find the end zone quite a few times, just considering how high powered their offense is. There's going to be lots of scoring opportunities. So I'm excited for what he can do. My fourth. It's probably going to be cam acres just because I think that there's not a ton of competition here. So I like the uh, direction that acres is trending.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: showed some huge games. I mean, he had a 200 yard game towards the end of the season. I expect to see more of that. And then my fifth running back is going to be uh, Gibson. And. The reason I would say that Gibson isn't able to climb into that top three or even top two for me, it's just because I'm a little bit worried about J.D. McKissick. He's a, showed he's a really talented pass catching back. I think that's going to take a chunk out of um, Antonio Gibson's workload. So while it's not full PPR, um, in half being in half PPR, it's definitely still going to have an impact to not have those passing game touches. So I just don't expect him to take a massive leap and to hop over these, I think, I mean, he's in the talent group, but he's just not in the situation. Not enough pass-catching touches. And then J.K. Dobbins. This is a really sad one because I am i like J.K. Dobbins moving forward in the future just as a really consistent fantasy back. But I don't trust him to have a massive season compared to all these other guys just because Lamar Jackson is going to be taking away so many of his touches. Now they've found a wide receiver for him to throw to. I don't think that they're going to need to rely on Dobbins. They have no reason that they should. And just – I mean, Lamar Jackson is so talented – I mean, he's almost – a lot of these plays I would rather have the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands than I would J.K. Dobbins. So I think that they're just going to continue to go to him. So I expect that to diminish Dobbins' workload. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. Lots of talking. But final order would be uh, Swift, J.T., C.E.H., Akers, Gibson, and Dobbins.
0: Okay. I respect it. I think Swift at first is definitely bold. I don't know if I agree that the tw- about 25-30 touches a game, that's 400-480 to 480 in a 16-game season. I guess it's 17 games now. But I do think he's going to get a lot of touches. I'll agree with that. And I think he could be a workhorse. I just think Taylor has more of the proven talent. And uh, while I think Swift is really good, they also added Jamal Williams for a reason. They can't, they're not going to keep Jamal Williams off the field 100% of the time, no matter how good of a pass catcher Swift is. However, I still really like Swift. And I still think he was already like in a solid RB2 range where I sort of liked him a little bit higher at like number 12. Now he's going to drop probably, maybe even at the mid-tier RB2 range. If you could get him, late second, early third. That's really, really solid. And I think Swift Mm -hmm. has tons of breakout potential. Um, Just as for Gibson, I do agree that JD McKissick is a concern, but I mean, I, two things. I also, first of all, I feel like Washington showed more of a a more, they wanted to get Gibson a little more involved as more of a workhorse, especially in the passing game. They showed that later in the season, then Gibson got hurt, which kind of stunk. Then the second, I mean, Washington also led the league in, throws to the running back. And I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick may change some of that because Ryan Fitzpatrick does like to throw the ball down the field. But I mean, the football team knows what they have in their pass catchers. And I feel like when you have a guy like that, when you have a quarterback who pushes the ball down the field, coming into an offense that has the ball, dumps the ball off a ton I feel like you can balance that out somewhere in the middle because obviously Washington didn't have good quarterbacks and they needed to rely on the short game the short dump offs but at the same time I mean that's the offense they ran the entire time Ron Rivera's been here
1: yeah I mean agree with you I do love I mean this second year RB class is one of the best that I think we've seen in a long time lots of talent and a lot of them are in really good situations where I think that they're going to be getting I mean pretty much at least for sure 10 touches, probably 15 touches a game down the line of all these second year RBs that uh, Hutchinson you listed. So I'm excited about this group. They're going to take a huge step up. You should be really happy to do, um, if you're in a dynasty league, to have any one of these guys on,
0: on your team. Yeah, that was a great year for drafting running backs in the rookie draft. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then follow Hutchinson at TYFMNFL. Go check out his podcast, The Young Fantasy Mind. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I think like Stitcher. Uh-huh. It's probably if where you listen, it's probably there. Yep. Um, okay, so our next question comes in from someone who uh, he's at Zaki NFL on Twitter. He writes for the Lateral uh, Fantasy Football blog, which is a good friend of the show. The founders there are good friends of the show, and so you can follow them on Twitter at the Lateral FF, and he's at Zaki NFL. So mm-hmm. he asked us another question about second year guys, except this is about wide receivers. He said, if you have to sell one of the productive 2020 wide receivers, who would it be? And why specifically referring to Jefferson Higgins, Ayuk, Claypool types, not so much Rager and Ruggs. So guys who are productive and I'll include mm-hmm. CD lamb in there as well. So Chris, I'll let you start. This one's a tough one for me. Cause I really like all of these guys. I feel like it's not going to be Jefferson or Higgins for me. Cause I'm a little bit higher on them than the consensus. So, I mean, I'd have to decide between Ayuk, Claypool, and Seedy. And, uh, but I'm wondering, I want to hear your thoughts, though.
1: Mm, yeah, this is a really tough question. The one guy that I don't want people selling right now is Justin Jefferson. I mean, though he does have some competition from Adam Thielen, I mean, he showed that he can overcome that. And Adam Thielen is, is 30 years old. Eventually, he's going to be phased out of this offense And uh, the one consistent wide receiver that I think they're going to have year after year for this Vikings football team is Justin Jefferson. And he showed how talented he was. One of the best rookie seasons for a wide receiver, uh, rookie seasons for a wide receiver, if not the best. Um, He had a ton of yards, lots of touchdowns, and that translates to a lot of fantasy points. So I'm definitely not selling him. I mean, Higgins is another interesting player just because, I think right now, obviously, people know that his value isn't going to be as good as it was last year, just because the addition of Jamar Chase does really hurt his stock. I don't know. He's definitely not he's saying, seeing the same number of targets. And then you have uh, Brandon Ayuk, who had a new quarterback in Trey Lance coming in during the draft, and then Chase Claypool. So for me, actually, I think the biggest guy that I'm going to be trying to sell is Chase Claypool. Juju Smith-Schuster is coming back. I still think that he's the top dog in this wide receiver room. And I don't like the quarterback play at the moment for the, for the Steelers. I just think it's going to – this team is going to, I think, become more run-heavy. They've got Najee Harris, and they've got a quarterback that I don't trust. I don't see why they're going to be taking all these deep shots. I think that their offense is going to be really these short passes, Juju, five, ten-yard catches, and then just run it down other teams' throats with Najee Harris – so I just expect Claypool's production to dip a little bit. It's not that he's not talented. It's just a lot of it comes down to situation. And I don't think that Higgins' value is good enough right now to, to make it worthy of selling him when just being a rookie like he is, I think it's important to hold on to him because there's breakout potential. His value just is, is too low right now to try and sell. And then Ayuk is just trending up for me new quarterback play Debo Samuel, obviously going to have an impact on him, but Debo Samuel has you've never been, he's never been trusted to stay healthy. I don't expect him to remain that a huge part of the offense. Yes. He'll take some uh, receptions away, but I think that the big thing is IUK is going to be the number one. He's got a, a quarterback that I really like in Trey Lance coming in. So he's my favorite. And yeah, I just think that Chase Claypool is the odd man out sort of here in these second year, really productive, younger wide receivers that I'm not liking moving forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of different guys there. And I think your Claypool point is definitely true. The quarterback p- uh, play is really up in the air. And I mean, especially since the Steelers drafted Pat Fryermuth, uh, it's mm-hmm. it, that's another weapon added to the offense. I don't know if I expect Juju to be back. I feel like that one-year deal means that, I mean, I don't know if the Steelers really want to commit to him long-term. Yeah, he might be the one I pick, though. Ayuk is also one that I'm not terribly high on. If I had to, I'd probably, I could also pick him because, uh, I mean, I just feel like the, at, at some point, I know Debo has gotten hurt, but so did pretty much everyone in the 49ers. And at some point you have to wonder whether that's just the medical staff or something going wrong. But at the same time, there's just so many weapons there and we haven't really seen them all on the field at the same time. I mean, I won't even say so many. It's just more that they run by committee. They have a lot of running backs. They run the ball a lot. And George Kittle's a target monster. Debo Samuel will always have his manufactured touches. So it's a little bit tough for Ayuk to find space in that. But, I mean, I might pick Claypool with Ayuka close second. And uh, Higg- it's definitely not Jefferson and Higgins for me. And it's probably, I could understand CeeDee Lamb, although I just think he's so good and has so much breakout potential that his wide receiver nine price is fair, or 19 price in the redraft right now at Fantasy Pros is fair. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't agree putting him ahead of a guy like Kenny Galladay, who they have at 21. But I think that's about where CeeDee Lamb should be. But as Mm. for Higgins, T. Higgins is the wide receiver 27 on fantasy pros. I don't really understand. I don't understand why he's a tier below Tyler Lockett and OBJ and Iuke and Cooper Cup. He's better than all of those guys. This offense, Joe Burrow, while Joe Mixon got a lot of touches, Joe Burrow also threw the ball a lot last year. And that's going to be happening even more. They're going to have to move the ball. If Joe Burrow is going to keep being sacked because they didn't draft Penny Sewell and they don't have their left tackle of the future, or I guess they, I guess Joe does, Jonah Williams could play left tackle, but they don't have like a stud left tackle there. Their offensive line is still incomplete. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot to on third and longs, and T. Higgins is still talented enough to be the one in this system for a while ahead of Jamar Chase, and even when if Jamar Chase takes over and Joe Burrow throws to him more, T. Higgins is the close number two. I'm not really worried about Higgins too much. Uh, He doesn't get too huge of a drop off to me from where he was. And yet the rankings on fantasy pros really show that right now. There's a lot of guys ahead of him that I would take T Higgins over guys who are a tier above in these rankings. Yep. Okay. Um, But yeah. And then Jefferson, like you said, he's going to be the top dog in that offense in a few years. I mean, he already is. And his ranking of, uh, let me go find it. I think it's like wide receiver, like eight eh, or something on fantasy pros. I will. I need to go pull that back up because I X'd out of the tab uh, and okay. Half PPR uh-huh. ranks just got to find it. And yeah, he is wide receiver eight. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take that at that price. I'd rather have him over like DK and Deandre Hopkins in real. Yep.
1: Okay. Agree.
0: Yeah. And in case it wasn't clear, I probably mentioned it already, but this show is probably going to be shifting more back to redraft talk over the summer. We'll still answer dynasty questions for sure. But uh, this is mainly a redraft show. And uh, I mean, this, this, that doesn't mean this content is not helpful for Dynasty, but we kind of had our Dynasty month that was geared to what the Dynasty players specifically need to know about the rookies.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to first half stars. We've got, uh, I got about like 10 guys on this list that we can talk about. So this is a little bit of a shorter segment. I feel like first half stars aren't as important to talk about as like the second half stars because there's just not as many of them, but uh, Mm we still got 10 solid guys here. Yeah, and let's start with quarterback. So we can start off with Kyler Murray, and this is a really interesting one. I don't think this is really because of any talent drop off. This is mainly because of his injury. Because weeks one through eight, Kyler Murray was the uh, he was actually oh no this is in rankings. I believe he was the quarterback two, and um, he was he was doing really well. He was on like a historic pace. I think if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, he may have actually been the quarterback two, and he actually stayed the quarterback two for the rest of the year. But the, there was a, definitely a difference. Because when he hurt his shoulder, he was out for like a game or two. And when he came back, he was not the same player. Not running the ball as much. A little more tentative when it came to that. And his rushing numbers dropped dramatically. In weeks one through eight, he averaged 28.9 fantasy points per game. He had had his bye, so he wasn't yet the QB one. Mm-hmm. but uh, And Russell Wilson was averaging like 30.3. But then over the rest of the season, all the way through week 16, uh, like he his average came all the way down to 25.8. And he only had like one huge week in the second half of the year. I don't really think this is a concern for him. Kyler Murray's an elite quarterback. We know that if this is because of the injury and I expect him to get back to his rushing uh, form next year when he's not hurt. Uh, but Chris, I'm interested to hear what you think.
1: Yeah. He's an interesting player just because his, I mean, his value I think is is most determined by how well he's able to rush. And I just think that he's just going to continue to develop this is an air raid offense as well under Cliff Kingsbury. And so I expect them to throw the ball a lot. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. And I think that in the, in the next two years or so, I think we'll be saying that Tyler Murray is a top five QB. If he's not, I mean, and he already is in that conversation, I think, or at least he should be. And so I just expect him to develop even more. His rushing ability is incredible. His ability to escape the pocket too, is just on another level. I mean, it's really hard for teams to get to him with a pass rush and he's able to get outside of the pocket and, make huge plays for a team. And all that does is just translate to fantasy points. He's going to be able to run. He's going to be able to pass. He's got the receivers to be able to do it in uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And so things are just trending in the right direction. This whole Cardinals team is running in the right direction. Um, I expect Kyler Murray to be much more like he was in the first half and just continue to, to put together a, just a top quarterback performance that we saw in the first half of the season last year. There's definitely no reason why you should be discounting him because of his second half. He's extremely talented, and he's in a great situation.
0: Yeah, and the addition of Rondale Moore definitely helps. Uh, the mm-hmm. addition of A.J. Green, I don't know if that helps, but they added another guy. They added A.J. Green. And I do think – I mean, Kyler Murray is definitely, like, is a top three QB for pretty much everyone, and I think he mm-hmm. should be there. He's currently my quarterback three, although that – I mean, I – I wouldn't put too much stock into the rankings on the website. I didn't like s- spend a ton of time on those because it's back in February. We're actually going to be starting to work on our rankings, like over probably starting this week, honestly, and we'll get those worked on throughout the summer and publish as we update. It'll be more detailed. So, but I do think that the rankings do show that Kyler Murray is in that tier with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You could honestly make a case for any of them as the quarterback one next year in redraft. But, I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of them as your QB. That's just an elite top three tier. I probably won't be drafting any of them just because I'm not a believer in drafting quarterbacks early. I will always wait and get a guy mm-hmm. like Ryan Tannehill or Brady or Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts, somebody like that.
1: Mm-hmm. If I'm there with you, but, yeah, Kyler Murray deserves to be in the conversation. And I know we talk, always talk about the late-round QB strategy, but if someone like Kyler Murray starts falling to you into the later rounds, definitely go ahead and pick him up. He's a really talented quarterback, and he's just going to provide a, a consistently high amount of fantasy points. He's got a great floor just because of uh, his rushing ability. You know, he's going to get rushing yards every single game. And he's also got an extremely high ceiling because when he starts finding the end zone with his legs and with his arm, uh, he's going to put up a lot of fantasy points.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's just – yeah, he's, he's such a good player. We've seen that. Great pick for the Cardinals at number one overall. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, I think. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. He's, I feel like he's just going to go so early though. That's the problem. He, all these quarterbacks every year, the top guys go early and there's just so much variance at the top of the position. Maybe it'll be better this year where there's not like a clear number one. There's like three guys. So maybe they're maybe like two of them or I think all three of these guys are pretty likely to hit. It's not like a Lamar Jackson regression situation. We're not going to see a ton of regression from these guys. I think the biggest regression candidate is probably Josh Allen, but all of these guys can probably produce at elite numbers again.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Okay. And then Russell Wilson. So Kyler Murray, this episode is not meant to be one where it's like, these guys are all guys we're worried about. We're not worried about Kyler Murray at all. Russell Wilson though, is a guy we are worried about because like I said, from weeks one through eight, he had averaged over 30 fantasy points a game which is unbelievable. That's ridiculous. I don't think, I don't know. This could be for six point touchdown passes. It's either six or four. Uh, I feel like it must be six based on that, but I mean, I don't actually, I'm not I'm 100% sure. The point is, is that he's the quarterback one weeks, one through eight. He'd only played seven games and yet he was still the quarterback one overall, but weeks nine through 16, he really, really, really fell off. Russell Wilson was the, um, he, he was not even a top 10 quarterback most weeks at that point. And he really killed some teams that were leaning on him throughout the season. I mean, I'm looking and he was, I'm looking at overall rankings right now. Oops. But he was the quarterback 12th average of 17.83 fantasy points per game. I believe this is actually four point touchdown passes, but th- we saw two different versions of Russell Wilson. And it was once the offense was figured out, once the Seahawks' offense was figured out, Russell Wilson really started to struggle That made his receivers a lot more inconsistent. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. He turned the ball over a lot, got sacked a lot, and they just were when they were a pass first offense. Teams knew, and their play calling was pretty one dimensional.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so I actually expect Russell Wilson's value to fall a little bit closer to uh, that kind of second half end of the season sort of numbers. I he's not a quarterback I'm super high on. It seems like his rushing ability has just uh, dwindled as he gets older and older, as expected with pretty much all NFL quarterbacks. And so, though he does have great receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I just don't trust his ability as a quarterback. I don't think he's as talented as people actually think he is. And I don't know if he's just going to be able to put up those massive fantasy numbers like we saw him doing way earlier in the season. I just think the inconsistencies were too big. And once teams started to figure out what DK Metcalf was doing and really how one dimensional, their offense was he just started to struggle. And so, unless they make drastic changes uh, to their offense, I think this could be a year that Russell Wilson or Russell, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson doesn't live <laughs> up to expectations.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I feel like switching to this run first offense like Pete Carroll plans to do, go back to it. I don't think this is actually that bad for Russell Wilson. I feel like he can still produce mid tier quarterback one numbers like he did for most of his career. So maybe he'll end up being a value, but. I still, I feel like his price will still be around there anyway. I think people will be willing to somewhat forgive him. And mm-hmm. uh, because of name value, he'll be drafted pretty high. I, the trade rumors were garbage. Nothing is actually going to happen. So don't worry about that. He's going to be a Seahawk next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can say the same for Aaron Rodgers being a Packer. <laughs> but uh, I don't really think there's any point really I, – I, I don't think there's any point speculating about the whole Rodgers stuff because, to be honest, we don't really know what's going to happen I don't really think he's going to go to the Broncos. I don't think I feel – we've just never really seen a situation like it before, so we can't really judge about what's going to happen. We'll definitely analyze once he gets traded or if he gets traded, but no point in, like, blindly speculating.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah, I agree with you overall about Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. All right, running backs. Let's start with Ezekiel Elliott. And this one is also it's sort of like the first quarter of the season because it's just when Dak Prescott was healthy. And I feel like in redraft you can be fine drafting Ezekiel Elliott, and he could even be a bit of a value because he could drop to the back first, uh, back first round because people were concerned about his performance with Andy Dalton. I feel like I know Ezekiel Elliott is definitely hitting that age where he could hit a wall in his fantasy production and fall down, but I think you, he's a good bet to produce one more year of elite top five, top seven fantasy production at the running back position. And uh, in Dynasty, there's obviously some concerns about that. But as when Dak is in this offense, it's so much more electric. And Zeke will have so much more running room. His offensive line was also obliterated. It wasn't really his fault. And he still finished as like the RB ten. But, I mean, my point is that he was the RB 4 in the first half of the season. And then he really did drop off, average just 13.2 fantasy points in weeks 1 through 16, which uh, and, which is fine. But it's not the Zeke we were used to, especially in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the first half, he was really the same guy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I just think having Dak back and having this offense really working the way that it should be is just going to help him a lot. So, yeah, I'm definitely betting on it. Ezekiel Elliott rebuild or not rebuild a uh, kind of a he's he's going to come back to the to the Zeke we all know and love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's and, and again, like two or three year bet in dynasty is a little bit risky. Because he's hitting that age. He's had a lot of carries throughout his career. But, I mean, he's a beast. He was great with Dak. He literally, like, hadn't lost a step at all. And with no offensive line, it was tough for him. With no star quarterback, it was tough. But he can be great.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Okay. Next guy, Kareem Hunt. And this is actually a surprising stat for me. In weeks one through eight, Kareem Hunt was the RB7 in fantasy. Head of guys like Aaron Jones. Head of, I mean, I guess, obviously, ahead of Mike Davis. But... Actually, I'm not really seeing that many elite names below Kareem Hunt. So ahead of Aaron Jones is what I'm trying to say. Although Aaron Jones actually had only played five games. So I guess that's actually, oh my gosh, that's a bad comparison. Because Aaron Jones had played five games and averaged a lot more. So forget what I said about being ahead of people. It's just that (laughs) Kareem Hunt was the RV7, averaged 14.4 fantasy points per game. And I don't know if it necessarily helped him when Nick Chubb was out. Because Kareem Hunt was pretty good with Nick Chubb in there. Then when Nick Chubb went out, everyone was expecting a huge breakout and it never happened. He was good. He had a lot of touches, but I mean, it was clear that he functioned a little bit better. He was m- much more efficient with another elite running back in that backfield. And he definitely dropped off in the second half of the season. 14.4 fantasy points per game in weeks one through eight. Then in, uh, But overall, he was 13 points per game on the season. And in weeks nine through 16, he was uh, the RB 17 with 11.4. So he had a huge drop off. And Chris... I feel like I did see that. I mean, I know those were early rankings, but it looked like you were pretty high on Kareem Hunt next year. So maybe you can discuss your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah. uh, Just someone that I, he's just, he does it all. I mean, he's, he's good in the pass catching game and he's good in the running game. And yes, it's a huge problem that he has Nick Chubb, but it doesn't actually end up hurting him that much because of the run having heavy offense that Kevin Stefanski runs. I'm just really, really high on this player. And I just expect him to, uh, to really just continue to get a lot of touchdowns. I mean, one of his biggest areas was scoring touchdowns and just put up a really high consistent amount of fantasy points because even though he does have Nick Chubb taking uh, taking away from him, he's still getting a consistent amount of touches and catches and he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. So his fantasy value is really good in my eyes. I'm really excited for him uh, just to continue to return and have another good year. Though so the only concern for him, me right now for him is Baker Mayfield is progressing really well right now, so this <laughs> offense could start to shift over and just become a little oh. bit more as heavy attack.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, Baker has been actually pretty solid, like, for all the hate mm-hmm. he gets. he They picked up his fifth-year option for a reason. I mean, I feel like Baker could get an extension. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, I'm not that high on Kareem Hunt. I feel like he could be a value because people don't like how his upside is capped, but he's relatively safe as, like, a back-end RB2, maybe m- closer to mid-tier as well RB2 uh again his upside is capped people know that nick chubb is there but he's the best handcuff in the league and when ah, i mean actually yeah i guess no he is the best handcuff in the league because we know about his talent and however even if he's like sort of met with like a huge workload he's still going to be better than like most running backs uh who are handcuffs because we've we saw it last year chris the constant game of every time a running back got hurt it's like oh my goodness their handcuff is going to be so good and they weren't remember deandre washington Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he, I think he scored a couple touchdowns for me. Chase Edmonds is an example. I don't, that wasn't really last year, but two years ago, Mike Davis was like sort of the exception, but I'm trying to think, I mean, I guess Devonte Booker scored touchdowns. Wayne Gallman was good, but uh, let me just, here, I need to scroll down the list. I guess, uh, ugh, man, I mean, guys like Jarek McKinnon, when they filled in for sure, they were pretty bad. Giovanni Bernard was really bad uh Malcolm Brown only had a couple good games he was pretty bad for most of that um I mean a lot of it's the point is a lot of these guys aren't really built for that workhorse role.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh yeah so it's gonna be difficult I just I just don't think his values you know <laughs> I'm yeah
0: yeah you can go count Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kareem Hunt's not that exciting, unfortunately, because he just, I can't, we can't tell you yeah, that he has that top five, top 10 upside. Exactly. His value is just capped. It's so
1: frustrating because with, if Nick Chubb wasn't there, oh my goodness, Kareem Hunt would just blow up. Ugh. I still love him, though. He's going to be, he's going to have another solid fantasy season.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Last running back before we go to wide receivers, James Conner. He was the RB11 from weeks one through eight, which is kind of surprising. And, it was just so tough for him because the Steelers had no offensive line. Their offensive line was probably bottom five, bottom three, and run blocking all season. It's gonna to be tough for Najee Harris because then they lost Pouncey and they lost Villanueva. Or I think it's Marquise Pouncey and Alejandro Villanueva. They lost mm-hmm. both of them and their run bl- those are like their two best linemen. So their running it being is gonna be so, so bad now. Their run blocking. I feel like Najee can still be good at 3.8 a carry and just get a ton of work. But and Najee's also a stud. But that was – you can tell how a guy like James Conner wasn't good in that. And, I mean, while James Conner's an okay running back, he's always hurt. And I feel like he's always not at 100%. And that showed in the second half when he was injured. Second half of the year, I mean, I must have missed him in the rankings. But, I mean, he's not – he really didn't do that well. I guess he was probably hurt for a lot of it. But uh, if I can bring it to points per game, I might be able to see him Yeah, He was RB 53 At He played only five games. And when he was even out there, 7.4 fantasy points per game in the second half of the year. And yeah, Mm -hmm. now he's now he's on the Cardinals. I feel like he might even be the primary ball carrier ahead of Chase Edmonds, because I feel like Chase Edmonds is way overhyped because his ability between the tackles is not good. Like he's not workhorse material. Like I said, he's a great pass catcher and that will be his role. James Connor will get some touches. He'll probably be more efficient in that offense that likes to throw the ball downfield and throw to chase Edmonds. And he's not the Connor won't be the full workhorse, but this guy is just the, the second half is something to worry about for Connor because I don't think he's the most talented player. He maybe once was, but I think he's lost a step over his career. Yeah.
1: I'm in agreement with you here, Calvin. Uh, I just don't think he's that talented of a back. And I would be surprised if we're pretty much having an open RB competition here between chase Edmonds and, James Connor they both proved to be talented at times but have never really put it all together I think so maybe I mean you can make the argument that James Connor did in that one season but at least over the past few seasons he really hasn't lived up to his potential or especially last season so I just think that this backfield is sort of going to become that one-two punch where neither back neither back is going to really be able to step up and put up huge fantasy numbers they're both I mean definitely deserve a roster spot and all that you know And they're both going to probably be put up top 40 fantasy seasons. I'd say both of them will, but I mean, I don't love either one of these guys really right now going into this season. And just because I don't trust their talent enough. And like you said, Calvin Chase Edmonds struggles between the tackles. And we saw on the production numbers from James Conner last year that he really struggled. Obviously that was behind a bad offensive line, but still all a concern. And then you put it on top that the Cardinals are running an air raid offense with a running quarterback. You know, there's just not a ton of, room to go around for two backs so I'm not super high on either either of these guys to put together top 20 fantasy season Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah it's James Conner it's just his production in the second half was just it's very ugly he got Mm -hmm. some points for you sometimes but he was hurt And, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe if he has a season to rest up, he can get some of his magic back. But I feel like it wasn't just completely about the injuries. He's also just Mm -hmm. not as good of a player as he used to be. And that's kind of crazy. He's had a short career. He's a young guy. I think he's like 26 Mm -hmm. or 25. Yep. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, So wide receivers now. We'll start. DK Metcalf, one of the most overrated players in redraft fantasy football next year. Wide receiver, five in total fantasy points. In weeks one through eight, he was the wide receiver, two. Averaged 18 fantasy points per game. He was the actually leader in average points per game because he, Calvin Ridley only averaged 15.8, but he had played an extra game. But in the second half of the season, like we talked about, Russell Wilson regressed. People figured out their offense. And as a result, DK Metcalf had a lot of regression. Wide receiver, 13 in the second half of the season. And while I said Russell Wilson can still be good because he's going to be efficient, he's going to have a limited amount of pass attempts in that run-heavy offense. That's why I'm saying, I mean, Russell Wilson can be efficient with his passing attempts and get himself points, but when he doesn't have a lot of them, it's not going to be enough to feed the mounds of DK and Tyler Lockett and Dwayne Eskridge and the tight end, who Russell Wilson does like to throw to, tight ends, Gerald Everett, and then pass catches for Chris Carson, who's a good pass catcher. It's just not going to be enough for consistent fantasy production. So I expect something a lot closer to his wide receiver 13 than to his wide receiver two. And there's a lot of guys like AJ Brown, um, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, who I'd way rather have over DK who are being drafted under DK, like DK's being drafted as like a top five fantasy wide receiver, which I think is just very, very stupid in my opinion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you here, Calvin. Uh, I just think that team sort of figured him out right now. And yes, I would totally expect him to be around that wide receiver 13 range, maybe a little bit higher, maybe like wide receiver 10, but definitely not too much. He's not going to be that wide receiver two that he was last year. And just not a player I'm loving next year. I just don't think his value uh, is as high as people think it is because so much of it relies on how teams are going to be playing him. And you know, he's going to be getting the number one corner and the high safety is definitely going to be looking at him for most of the play. So that's going to, Kind of threaten his deep playability. And so I just don't love him that much. I think that his value is a little bit overrated right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with Tyler Lockett, who's the next guy here. Tyler Lockett is being ranked as like a back end wide receiver, too. But guys like T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, uh, and others who are ranked behind him, I'd rather have because Tyler Lockett was just so inconsistent last year. Wide receiver 13 in weeks one through 16. Wide receiver nine, if you count week 17 when he went off. But we'll just count week one through 16 because that's what we do here on principle. He Mm -hmm. was the wide receiver 13 in weeks one through 16, right? 15 games. He had two top 24 weeks. Two. And he was the Mm -hmm. wide receiver 13. How is that even possible?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He had two top 24 wide receiver weeks. So this is, that's, (laughs) that tells you all you need to know His ranking is inflated by two huge games. And then some other ones that are probably, I mean, he probably had several that are around like 30 but it was mainly inflated by two really, really huge games. And I mean, it shows in the second half of the season, when he had dropped off like weeks nine through 16, he didn't have a single top 24 finish. He had one in 17, but in weeks nine through 16, he was the, uh, the wide receiver 42 mm-hmm. wide receiver 42 in weeks nine through 16. And I don't, why do we expect anything different? I mean, I feel like that could get a little better just because he's a good player, but this is a guy who I feel like should be being drafted, honestly, in the 30s. I mean, it hurts because he put up some production, Then it hurts because of his last-year rank. But, I mean, that wide receiver four finish in weeks one through eight is a huge anomaly.
1: Wait, Calvin, four 30s overall or 30s at the wide receiver
0: position? Early 30s at the wide receiver position, probably. What? Maybe mid-30s. I don't know. There's so many guys. Look at the ranking. Like, Cortland Sutton is a guy who's going at, like, wide receiver 30. Wait, you think that DK Metcalf is a wide receiver third. no 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 Tyler Lockett sorry oh Lockett sorry no no DK is like a back end wide receiver one mm-hmm. yeah okay good
1: uh, sorry I, I was thinking DK but uh yeah Tyler Lockett don't like him either he's definitely higher than wide receiver 30 still though oh
0: you think Lockett is
1: oh yeah definitely I think okay. he should be uh, I think he should be around 25
0: okay well he's ranked at 25 on fantasy pros the guys behind hmm. him though let's talk would you rather have Tyler Lockett or Odell Beckham Oh, Tyler Lockett for sure. Okay, that one's close. I might, I don't know if I would either have Beckham or not. T Higgins or Tyler Lockett? Mm. Come on. You're even thinking about that? Probably T Higgins. I would definitely take T Higgins. I definitely take Cortland Sutton. I definitely take DJ Chark. Chase, Claypool, Juju. That's close. Will Fuller. Ooh, that's pretty close as well. Jamar Chase. That's pretty close as well. Debo. That's pretty close. Okay, Tyler Boyd. See, I'm saying he's pretty close to all of these guys. So maybe like 30. I could understand 30. But mm-hmm. early 30s is what I'm trying to say. He's pretty close with all of those guys who are ranked in the 30s. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but, yeah, we both don't like Tyler Lockett. Fade Tyler Lockett. Don't fade this guy. Tyler Boyd. Wide receiver eight. Weeks one through eight. 13.5 fantasy points per game. Oh, wait, that can't be right, can it? He was the wide receiver. I don't even think he was that high. I don't I – don't, actually, I guess it says it right here. I guess it's true. Uh, in fantasy points per game, he wasn't. He was like wide receiver number, as I count down. Yeah, he was like the 16 or 17 points per game. But the point was he was doing well until Joe Burrow got hurt. And then in the second half of the season, he wasn't nearly as good. He was getting some targets. But, I mean, he was still putting up borderline wide receiver one – reduction for a lot of the year even when t higgins broke out in fact tyler boyd was actually better when t higgins broke out because i mean i guess you can assume because he had more space to operate like if you switch to weeks three through eight he was the wide receiver five like that's when t higgins started breaking out and tyler boyd had another guy to take pressure off him so naturally you would expect tyler boyd to be a stud next year and then they drafted jamar chase which really stunk but So, I mean, but the point is in the second half of the year when Joe Burrow was hurt, he wasn't as good. He was primed Mm -hmm. for a really, really good season that was going to way exceed his wide receiver 30 ranking. He's still going to exceed his wide receiver 35 or 36 ranking because I think he could still be a low end wide receiver, too, because there's a lot of targets to go around and there's no tight end to throw to. But uh, yeah, it's just it kind of stinks. I was hoping for a Tyler Boyd breakout season but he's still a great value. He can provide wide receiver two production. He's just not going to be a a truly consistent week to week starter anymore.
1: Yeah. I actually don't love Tyler Boyd as much just because I think he's going to end up being close to that second half value just because, I mean, well, I think you would agree that it's going to be close to the second half, just because Jamar Chase is going to take a ton of targets. And I think he's relegated to the tight end three here now, or wide receiver three in this offense. So it's not a player I love too much, but, uh, yeah, he was such an intriguing prospect,
0: now not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a great player. Kind of stinks. Last guy. This guy cracks me up whenever I see him. <laughs> Travis mm-hmm. What Weeks four through eight, Travis Fulgham <laughs> was the wide receiver one in fantasy. <laughs> That's unbelievable. If you sold him in his week nine bye you were happy because he Mm -hmm. scored 0.8 against I believe it was the Cowboys like a lot of that's the thing a lot of people didn't sell Travis Fulgham because they were like oh we'll just wait for the or no it's the Giants game we'll just wait for this Giants game which I mean the Giants were an underrated pass defense we'll just wait for this and then after that we'll sell and it didn't work out I mean I guess a lot of people Actually, never mind. I-, I thought he played Dallas for some reason. If he had played Dallas, that would have made sense. I guess a lot of people did get to sell because it was after they were waiting for after the Dallas game, which it uh, was in week eight where he played well. Then they sold and Travis Fulcombe really dropped off when his other wide receivers came back. So he's useless in redraft next year. Don't even bother. He's pretty much useless in dynasty too. <laughs> so we didn't need to mm-hmm. talk about him much. Yeah, definitely. He just cracks me up. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Such a one hit wonder. Oh man, Travis Fulgham. Those were the days. Mm-hmm. Tight end. Let's wrap that. We can wrap the show up. Only one tight end here to talk about. And it's Jonu Smith. And Jonu Smith's production really came when AJ Brown was out. Um, actually, I guess, sorry, going back to Fulgham in half PPR, he actually scored 1.3 in that week. Amazing. Instead of 0. 0.8. But Jonu Smith, AJ Brown was hurt in week one, out for weeks two and three. Then I think out for week uh, – the week four was the bye, and he may have been out for week five as well. But Janu was really good in weeks one through five. Nine points mm-hmm. – start this is standard, so I'll switch to half PPR. Week one, 11.6 fantasy points. Week two, 22.4. Week three, 8.6. Week five, 18.5. And then in the Houston game, he struggled. One catch, one catch, two catches, two catches, two catches, two catches four catches, no catches, two catches, five catches, three catches, one catch. Then he left Tennessee, went to – New England, where he actually might be the top target in that offense because he's so talented. He's splitting time with Hunter Henry, which will hurt, but I expect a lot of two tight end sets over there, and hopefully Cam Newton leans on him. So I don't mind Janu next year for fantasy, but he was definitely the definition of a first-half star, or maybe a first – mostly a first-quarter star. Yeah,
1: definitely, and I love his new situation. Bill Belichick knows how to use his tight ends, and so I'm very excited about this overall situation. Uh, Jonah Smith. I wouldn't look at his fantasy value from last year at all when, I mean, you somewhat, but I'd really be looking at his talent and what Bill Belichick's done in the past with tight ends. And that makes me really excited for Johnny.
0: Yeah. He can definitely push for tight end one production, which we all know is not that hard to achieve in fantasy. Oh, I'm sure. I, I I think he can go for top six. Oh yeah. I mean, well, honest, it's possible that might be like his ceiling he, it's going to be capped by hunter henry but i think belichick made a move to get Janu first belichick raved about johnny belichick knows who's the better player i think cam newton knows that too henry's great but Janu is just an incredibly athletic tight end and athletic tight ends tend to succeed sounds pretty obvious but they do and you're right chris like kind of funny we should just completely ignore johnny's fantasy production from last year you're not going to gain any advantage by looking at it just look at mm-hmm. his talent and he's very talented and i mean i guess you could glance at it as sort of a guideline but don't be like oh well he's going to be exactly like he was in the second half of the year or in the first half of the year it's just not like that it's going to be a different mm-hmm. different kind of production but hopefully cam newton throws the ball enough to get john newson yep catches. Mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to waste that talent yep all right that's it this was a fun show it was a longer one but I had fun. Uh, oh, I haven't even been looking at the video for the like the whole time we've been doing this. Uh, Chris and I still have our video on. So uh, that's all. Make sure to email us fantasy at gmail.com. Contact us on Twitter at Pod uh, for fantasy questions. Um, find us on all major platforms. Leave a review. We haven't gotten a review in a while. If you could leave a review, that'd be very appreciated. We have just the same few reviews. The The You Are My Idol. <laughs> the... <laughs> the the, like the really over the top one from austin who is kind of writing that is like you know just to be over the top and then we have a few others that are nice as well but that's it we haven't had them in like a year so we'd appreciate reviews okay yeah thank you for listening everyone and uh we will see you next time